بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد باب الدعاء إلى شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله the chapter calling to the testimony of la ilaha illallah this is the chapter we come to in this kitab kitab tawhid the fifth chapter sual sual ikhwan question wajhul munasabah the relevance what's the relevance behind this chapter coming where it has come in the kitab the fifth chapter following after the previous chapter and the, the chapters that have preceded all of them what is the relevance behind this chapter here and the imam bringing this chapter here now in this kitab so so far what have we taken what are the chapters that we've taken which summarize for us nicely what we've covered so far the first chapter was what was the first chapter No. Haqqullah al-ibad. The right of Allah upon his servants and the servants right upon Allah. That was the first chapter. Second chapter was what? The superiority of Tawheed, its virtues. The third chapter. No. Third chapter. Whoever perfects Tawheed enters paradise without reckoning the fourth chapter the fear of shirk that is everything we've covered so far now we come to this chapter calling to the testimony of la ilaha illallah what's the relevance behind the imam bringing this chapter here now i'm going to tell you of course but give you a chance to to guess or to comment uh-huh Mumtaz, Mumtaz, Mumtaz. So, so far, we've learned the obligation upon us and why we've been created, the right of Allah upon us. We've learned the virtues of Tawheed because once you become aware of your purpose, this is why you've been created, you become motivated and encouraged by learning about its reward, its virtues. And then once you learn that there are levels to this and that if you perfect it, then you achieve a great reward and that reward is that you enter into paradise without reckoning and without punishment. And then once you've learned all of that, you learn Tawheed, you need to know its opposite, a shirk, which we covered last week, the fear of shirk. And so by way of this, the person, a person has completed Tawheed for himself. Thereafter, and the completion is by learning it and staying away from its opposite. Thereafter, a person has to call others to that same Tawheed. Thereafter, a person, after completing Tawheed for himself, must call others to complete that same Tawheed, which he actualizes. 
And this is similar to that which is coming in Surah Al-Asr. In Surah Al-Asr, that short surah in the Quran where Allah Taala mentions that all of mankind, by time, when Allah swears by time, all of mankind will be in loss except for those who have four characteristics. And those were the first, Amanu, those who believe. So they believe in Allah and they believe in his Tawheed and everything that the Messenger of Allah came with. They have Iman in all of that. The second is righteous actions to act upon all of that. And the third, they call to, that, to all of that that has preceded. They call to Iman, that Tawheed. And they call to actions. Because as Sheikh Saleh Fawzan said that it is not permissible, not allowed, haram for us to know all of this and to hoard it to ourselves. To keep it to ourselves and not share it to others. It is binding, obligatory. Not allowed for us to, to, to hold it, withhold it from the people. Obligatory. In fact, Allah summarized everything that has come in the Quran. And that, is, that is why Imam Shafi'i he said, but what did he say about this surah? He made a famous statement about this surah, Naam. Had Allah not revealed a surah other than this surah, it would have sufficed them. Because in this, in this surah we have Allah summarizing for us the traits that are needed for a person to be saved from that loss. And he summarized them in four characteristics. The third from them being da'wah. That they call to Tawheed and Iman. So a major, a major matter here. That's why the Imam has brought this as the fifth chapter. And for us, remaining, or for us, the very fact that we are here in these lands, in these lands, as Muslims, many of us born here, not within our choice, born here, but we're here. When you come to know of the hadith, this very serious nature of the hadith, the hadith of the Rasul where he said, Ana min kul Muslim. I am free from every Muslim. Very simple to understand. Ana I am free min kul Muslim from every Muslim. Yuqim bain adhuril mushrikeen who resides between or amongst the mushrikeen. I am free from him. The one who resides amongst the mushrikeen. Which led many of the scholars to say that whoever does this, some, in the explanation of this hadith, some said that because he's, he chooses to remain with them, then he's from them. Some said, uh, that this hadith, there's detail. Whenever the Rasul he mentions anabari, statements such as anabari, I am free from, or laysa minna, or laysa minni, he is not from us, or he is not from me. The likes of these uh, expressions that are mentioned by the Messenger of Allah, that they point towards kabir min kabair al-dhunub, sin from the major sins. The likes of these statements. However, the scholars, or that which many of the scholars they say concerning this hadith is that uh, 
for the one who um, cannot manifest his religion, cannot make idhar of his religion, cannot practice his religion openly, then it is wajib for him. It is wajib, wajib for him to leave and not be around the mushrikeen, those who worship others besides Allah. And so this hadith, that I am free from those who reside amongst the mushrikeen, it applies to the one who chooses to remain with them whilst, whilst he cannot manifest his religion. So he, choose, he, he, he resides amongst them, cannot manifest his religion, but he chooses to still stay there, then the Messenger of Allah said he's free from them. He's free from them. Now, man, so this led to many of the scholars saying that for those who are able to manifest their religion, then it is not wajib. It is not wajib for them to leave. However, it remains recommended. Mustahab. It remains recommended. Naam. As for the one who is weak in his religion, weak and affected by the mushrikeen around him and his environment and the kufr, the disbelief and shirk and fisk and sin which surrounds him, then for him it becomes obligatory. For him it becomes obligatory. For everybody else it remains recommended. It remains recommended so long, so long as the affair hasn't reached to that level where they cannot manifest their religion. Now, however, from the scholars, they said, وَقَدْ لَا تُسْتَحَبْ Hijra. But hijra could also be something which is not actually, it's not even recommended. For who? For the one who remains here, giving da'wah to tawheed. Calling the people to tawheed and to sunnah. So here we see the great station of da'wah, calling to tawheed. It is one of the main reasons that allow us to stay here in the likes of these places in the hope that the Muslims and those who are holding on to their, their, their religion they are a means of da'wah to those around them or else how would, how would these people come to know of the tawheed of Allah and learn concerning the religion of Allah subhanahu now and so this uh, is a short reminder uh, concerning uh, da'wah calling to la ilaha illallah given that we have now come to this chapter and so the imam as usual he begins with citing evidences from the kitab and from the sunnah and so this is the first verse that he brings or the only verse within this chapter and the saying of Allah the Most High say a command to the Messenger of Allah to say this is my way I call to Allah meaning I call to the Tawheed of Allah Basira, the scholars they explain 
as being certain knowledge. Yani upon knowledge, certain, certain knowledge and, and insight and guidance. Naam. Ana wa man ittaba'ani. I, I call to Allah, to the Tawheed of Allah, and uh, those who follow me. Now, and those who follow me, I think that's missing from the translation here. But how are we translating now? Ana wa man ittaba'ani. I and those who follow me. So, the messenger of Allah, he calls. Ana, I call to Allah and those who follow me. Subhanallah wa ma ana min al-mushrikeen. And glorified and exalted is Allah from all that they associate with him as partners. And I am not from the mushrikeen, from the polytheists and those who worship others besides him and ascribe partners to him. And so here as Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz rahimahullah, he comments, he comments and he says that the khitab here, the, uh, the address here is to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and his ummah together. So Allah is addressing the Messenger وسلم, and his ummah. Qul. Allah commanded the Messenger and he addressed him as well as his ummah. Say that this is my path and my way. This is my way, that which I am, I am upon, from Tawheed, from the Tawheed of Allah and from Ikhlas, sincerity towards Him. Naam. I call to Allah, meaning I don't call to anything, anything else besides the Tawheed of Allah. Arab Sirah. Upon basiran, insight, as we said, or the Sheikh he says here, ala ilmin wahuda. Upon knowledge, I call with knowledge and with guidance. Amani and whosoever follows me, meaning my followers, likewise they call with basira. They call to the same thing with basira. Now, thereafter the Imam he brings. Uh, hadith. Naam. And that is the hadith from that is the hadith from Abdullah ibn Abbas. Naam. From Abdullah ibn Abbas, Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Lamma ba'atha mu'adh ila Yemen. So this is a hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Abbas. Naam. Wherein he said that when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen, له, he said to him, He said, He said, You are coming to a people of the book, meaning the Jews and Christians. فليكن أول ما تدعوهم إلي شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله. So let the first thing, the first thing that you call them to, be the testimony of لا إله إلا الله. And nothing has a right to be worshipped in truth except for Allah. 
وفي رواية يعني in a word in you can see in English here that they single out Allah so I've, I've given you the English but the Arabic is, is, pretty, is pretty, pretty simple we learned the 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 meaning of Tawheed linguistically which means to single out Allah or to single something out so here we have an additional wording where the companion the narrator he says either the messenger of Allah he worded this part within this hadith here he worded it himself in this way and the sahabis uh, the sahaba they had they differed in the way they conveyed it to us or that the Sahabi is explaining his understanding. He just explained the same yani, that which the Messenger of, us, of Allah Sallallahu said was, Ila an shah, uh, yani, uh, an la that you call them, that the first thing be that you call them to the testimony of la ilaha illallah. Or that the companion himself, he, that, that was the wording of the Messenger of Allah And the Sahabi is now using his own words to explain that. So, in this, edition, or in this extra wording, is that they single out Allah. How do we say this in Arabic? Or how do you think it was said in the hadith? If you haven't come across this hadith in Arabic, how, or for whoever has some command of the Arabic language. Huh? Who said this? Naam? Good. But it's plural. Let the first thing that you call them to be an yuwahid. That's the right verb. Is it just singular? from that word. So let the first thing be that you call them to. That they single out Allah with worship. So this shows us the understanding of the shahada. This was their understanding. This understanding of the, the Rasul and the understanding of the, of the Sahaba. That the meaning of la ilaha illallah, the shahada is, is tawheed Allah. Is yuwahid Allah. That they single out Allah. This is the meaning. With worship. Not that as some say that the meaning of la ilaha illallah is that there's no creator except for Allah. Naam. This is how they understood the shahada. Naam. Then the messenger of Allah, وسلم, he continued and he said, فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ He said that if they obey you in that, meaning if they obey you in you calling them to the testimony, to tawheed, if they obey you in that and, and accept that, then فَأَعْلِمْهُمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ فَتَرَضَ عَلَيْهِمْ خَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي كُلْ يَوْمٍ وَلَيْلَةٍ Inform them if they obey you in that that Allah has obligated upon them five prayers in every day and night. فَإِنْهُمْ أَطَاعُوكَ لِذَلِكَ The Messenger of Allah وسلم, he continued and said that if they obey you in that 
after you have informed them of the testimony, call them to the testimony of La ilaha illallah. And only after they accept that, you told, you told them about the prayer, and then they accept, accept that, then go on to tell them that Allah Taala has likewise obligated upon them sadaqah, meaning a zakah. Sadaqah can be applied. That term sadaqah is not just what we, because some people they, they think zakah is yani, one thing and sadaqah is separate. Sometimes sadaqah can be applied to zakah. Naam. So here the intended meaning is the zakat, the obligatory sadaqah. Naam. That Allah has obligated upon them sadaqah tu'khad min agniyahim faturad ala fuqara'ihim. Allah has obligated upon them a charity that is taken from their rich and given to their poor. Naam. Fa'inhum ata'uka li dhalik. If they obey you in that, فَإِيَّاكَ وَكَرَائِمْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ Then beware of uh, taking from the best of their properties and the best of their wealth, meaning as payment of zakat. وَاتَّقِ دَعْوَةُ الْمَظْلُومِ وَاتَّقِ دَعْوَةُ الْمَظْلُومِ And fear the dua, fear the supplication of the one who is oppressed. فَإِنَّهُ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ اللَّهِ هِجَابٍ For indeed there is no veil or barrier in between his supplication, supplication of the oppressed, and Allah. And as has come in the wording of this hadith, as you can see, um, is agreed upon. What do we mean by agreed upon? Al-Bukhari Muslim. Naam. So when the scholars mention Akhraja, when yani, that both of them have recorded this hadith or, or, or that it is muttafaq alayh, agreed upon, there's no need to mention anybody else from the muhaditheen, although they may have recorded this hadith because it suffices. But Imam Ahmad, he records in a wording concerning this last part here, to fear the dua of the, of the one who is oppressed because there is no barrier, no veil between that dua and Allah, وَإِنْ كَانَ كَافِرًا وَإِنْ كَانَ كَافِرًا An additional wording of that even if he is a disbeliever, a kafir. Because Allah he mentions in the Quran, أَمَّا يُجِيبُ الْمُطَّرِ Who is the one who answers the muttar, the one who is in dire need. The one who is oppressed comes in, 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 under that. إِذَا da'a When he calls, when he makes dua. Naam. And so here we have a tremendous hadith, my brothers, a hadith that in reality we could spend the whole session uh, bringing the benefits. Just as an example, many benefits, just as an example, uh, which came to the mind uh, uh, as, as I was reading the hadith to you. The fact that here we see that the zakat, that the Messenger of Allah, he said, Zakat, which is taken from their rich and given to their poor. This is a proof that many of the scholars, they used to say that your zakat, you shouldn't give to other countries, to people in other countries. The origin is zakat goes to those 
Who is, um, because here we have the hadith, within the hadith, تُؤْخَذْ مِنْ أَغْنِيَائِهِمْ It's taken from their rich, وَتُرَدْ عَلَى فُقَرَائِهِمْ And it's returned back to them, meaning back to the poor from them. Back to the same community. It's taken from the rich of a community and given back to the poor within that same community. Not that we give to another community. This is just one benefit. Many benefits we take from this hadith. Because if they are poor from amongst your community, if you imagine right now, within our community, there are brothers who are poor. And the rest of us, two or three brothers, all of them poor, both of them poor. And the rest of us, we, we have to pay the zakat. But we say, we, our zakat we're going to give to Pakistan, Bangladesh, these places. But there are brothers from amongst us who are in dire need. They can't pay rent, cannot feed themselves. What do they do? They look to us and they despair. They despair. Because we deem them to be, ah, you can't be, you know, you're not going to be poor living here. You're not going to be poor living here. We're going to give to those who are in this country or that country. And although, of course, it is not haram to give to, 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 to people from these other countries. Um, however, if there are those who are in need, and this is what led some other scholars to say, that if there are those who are in need within your own community, it has to go to them first. It has to go to them first. This is just one of the benefits. But, <clears throat> yani this is a fiqh benefit. But given that, we discuss, uh, that our topic is uh, aqeedah and tawheed, then yani we uh, continue with um, going through the explanation um, and the main points connected to this bab. Oh, well, and actually another question is, does anyone know when this took place? When the Messenger of Allah sent Mu'adh to Yemen. Hmm? Last year? So which year? What, what year would that be? Yusuf, mashallah, Allah, Mubarak. 1998. <laughs> That's just a wild guess. Wild as anything. Before the death. Okay, we, here we've had two answers saying before the death. So towards the end. Which year though, specifically? Tenth, but then hold on. Within this hadith, the Messenger of Allah is telling Mu'adh to call them to these matters, but he hasn't mentioned the fasting and the Hajj. So then, some of the so, yeah, and he, that's led to some, yeah, and he's saying that it must be before these things were obligated: fasting and Hajj. No. Nah. So has anyone changed their opinion now? Hmm? There's a nice benefit that Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz is going to bring, which will bring some additional benefit uh, and understanding in this matter. But yes, in the, towards the end, in the 10th year, in the 10th year after the Hijrah, and that was after Khaybar, Naam, after uh, Khaybar, Naam, and before Hajj, before the Hajj of the Messenger of Allah in Rabi'l Awwal, in the in, in the uh, Rabi'l Awwal of the tenth year, and was he the only one that he sent to Yemen? Naam. He also sent another companion with him, Abu Musa Al Ashari, and. As has come in the hadith of Abi Burda, wherein he said, 
أبا موسى أبا موسى ومعاذ بن جبل إلى اليمن. The messenger of Allah وسلم, he sent Abu Musa and Mu'adh both of them to Yemen and he sent both of them to the two provinces of Yemen because Yemen at that time was divided into two provinces and likewise from Abu Musa he said that Ba'atha al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi ana he said that the Messenger of Allah sent me and Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen. And then he went on to mention that my people, because they were, they were his people, the Al-Ash'ariyin were Yemeniyin, from Yemen. And so he said that my people, they make a drink. And he mentioned two types of drinks that they make, which are intoxicants. So then the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he responded and he said, Kullu muskir haram. Every, every drink that intoxicates is haram. So here again we see that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he sent both of them. He sent not just Mu'adh, he sent Abu Musa as well. He sent, Abu Musa, uh, he sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Sana'a, which is the north, in the northern part. And he sent, Abu Mu, uh, he sent him to Sana'a and the areas surrounding Sana'a. And he sent Abu uh, Musa to Aden and the surrounding uh, areas. Now, um, and so it's come in the hadith that when uh, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he sent Mu'adh to Yemen, he went out with him. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, went out with him to escort him out. And he was uh, under his, his uh, riding animal. So he was walking whilst, whilst Mu'adh was raqib. Mu'adh was on his animal riding. And the messenger of Allah was walking with him. Giving him these instructions. Giving him these instructions that we're reading now. And that's where you have also, the, it's coming the dual form. Where the messenger of Allah, because Abu Musa was with him. Yes, uh, in the dual form, commanding two, he said, make things easy and don't make things difficult upon the people. Commanding them and showing them the manhaj nabawi in da'wah, the prophetic way in giving da'wah, laying down foundations in how we call the people. He said, make things easy for them, both of you, and don't make things difficult. And give good news and glad tidings. And don't يعني, cause the people to flee. By giving bad news and being harsh and so on. Now, and so when, as he's riding and the messenger of Allah وسلم, is walking under his riding animal, advising him, the messenger of Allah وسلم, he said to Mu'adh, he said, he said, Ya Mu'adh, innaka asa an la talqani. He said, perhaps, O Mu'adh, you will not meet me again after this year. And perhaps you will pass by my masjid and my qabr and my grave. Because the Messenger of Allah knew that uh, he would pass. And that's how it came to pass.
نعم فبكى معاذ so معاذ cried so معاذ cried knowing that he would not meet the messenger of Allah again إنك تأتي قوما من أهل الكتاب you were coming to a people from the book people of the book who are they Jews and Christians Ahlul Kitab sometimes refer to Ahlul Kitabain the dual the people of the two books the Jews and the Christians Naam uh, and so here the scholars they, they've, they've mentioned our scholars our scholars like Ibn Hajr in his explanation in Fathul Bari uh, in the explanation of Sahih al-Bukhari in his book Fathul Bari um, Ibn Kathir and others historians they've mentioned um, how the Jews and the Christians ended up being in Yemen. Because here we see both of them being sent to Yemen and the Messenger of Allah informing them, giving them a heads up, as they say. Giving them a heads up. You go into a people who are Jews and Christians, they have the kitab with them. So, in order for them to be prepared, in order for them to be prepared, so as to know who they're up against when they give da'wah. So here, the, uh, the scholars, they mention that the, 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 the presence of the Jews goes back to um, Tubba. So for example, Allah mentions Qom Tubba, Kedhabat Qablahum Qom Nuhin, Naam. Washab al-Rasi wa Thamud. Wa Adu wa Fir'aun wa Ikhwan al-Lut. Wa Ashab al-Aykati wa Qawm Tubba'a. Kullun kathab al-Rusla. Haqqa wa'id. Kathabat qablahum Qawm Nuh. The people of Nuh before them denied the messengers. Naam. And the people of Ras wa Thamud. And the people of Ad. And the people of Fir'aun. And the brethren of Lut. And the, and the dwellers of the woods. And the people of Tubba. Is a title that the Yemenis would give to their kings. Just as, just as, uh, yani the Persians would give their kings the title of Kisra. The Romans would give their kings the title of Caesar. Now, the Egyptians would give their kings the title of Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Naam. The Abyssinians would give their kings the title of Najashi. Negus, they say in English, I believe. Naam. The people of Yemen would give their kings the title of Tubba. Tubba, from the Arabic word Tabba, to follow. We just heard the, ver the, the, the verb within the verse. And whosoever follows me. So, tubba is taken from the word taba, to follow. 
because the kings follow one another. Just like in, for Muslims, Khalifa. Khalifa. The title they gave to their rulers, Khalifa. Naam. So, Tubba goes back to, um, in particular when we refer, when we want to discuss how the Jews ended up in Yemen is uh, As'ad Abu karb one of their kings. And this was after Musa salam, because As'ad Abu karb who was one of the kings, one of his sons was assassinated in Yathrib because of course Yathrib was, is Medina or was Medina meaning that was what, what it was referred to before the coming of the messenger of Allah or the migration of the messenger of Allah from Mecca to Medina Medina was known as Yathrib previously which was inhabited by the Jews as we know Inhabited by the Jews. They were the Jewish tribes that were there. So As'ad, Abu Karb, had a son who was assassinated in Medina. So when he became, when, when he in, uh, decided to go to Yathrib and to annihilate the people of Yathrib, he was met by two rabbis. He was met by two rabbis who said, oh, and advised him not to do so. And not to cause destruction there. And because uh, he was known for this. He was known for, he wouldn't, him and his people, they wouldn't settle in one place. They would conquer, remain there for a short period, and then go somewhere else and conquer again. And cause uh, destruction. So they advised, these two rabbis advised him, not to do so because in this city, a prophet is going to come. A prophet is going to come. Naam. And he liked what they, these two rabbis had informed him and the data they were giving him. And so he converted. And remember, at this time, the, uh, from the Jews were those who were Still, the people of Tawheed and, and, and those, this was before the sending of the Messiah, the sending of Jesus. From them were those who were people of Tawheed and they were the chosen people, Muslimin, Muslims. And as he was returning to Yemen by Usfan, which is close to Mecca, he was met by the people of Hudayl. And they advised him to go to Mecca. Because in Mecca there is a house that the people of Mecca worship, but within it is, is, is treasures, gold and silver and pearls and treasures. But their intent was that he goes there, and because what they knew is that anybody who goes to Mecca and tries to destroy Mecca and come to the house, they themselves are destroyed. Allah protects the house and anyone who comes to try to destroy it they are destroyed and so these people wanted in reality they wanted him to be destroyed they wanted him and his army to be destroyed that Allah would destroy them because they would intend the Kaaba and so he was advised by the two rabbis and he, they, were, they, they, told, they told him that they, they want you to, to um, 
to, to, to die and to be destroyed because the Kaaba is the house of our father, uh, the, the house of our father, meaning Ibrahim al-Islam. He built it. He built it. And the Prophet would come there. The Prophet would come there. The Prophet, the prophet that we are expecting he will come there, but he will be cast out and he will be received in Yathrib. That is why they resided there, not in Mecca. Because they knew that he would be expelled from Mecca, but because they wanted to be, and they expected him to come from themselves, from Bani Israel, and from their offspring, that they resided in Medina, waiting there for him to appear. However, coming back to the point, so then, As'ad Tubba, he went to Mecca and he made tawaf around the Kaaba because remember he had, he, had, he had accepted the da'wah of these two rabbis and he, was, he, he remained there for a few days feeding the poor and then he took a thick cloth and, dra and draped it over the Kaaba and so he was the first one to, to, to clothe the Kaaba he was the first one to uh, dress the Kaaba. As'ad Abu al-Karb, who was the king, Tubba, of Yemen. And when he, he, so then he returned to Yemen, and he took these two rabbis with him, and that's how uh, the Yehud began their presence there in, in Yemen. And so when the messenger of Allah is saying that you're going to a people, and the people of the book, meaning the Jews and Christians, that's how the Jews ended up there in Yemen. As for the Christians, then that is when the, uh, the Abyssinians, when the Abyssinians, when they overtook either, I don't recall whether it was the, yani, the whole of Yemen or yani, it was at least parts of Yemen, then that's when they brought Christianity. They brought Nasraniya, they brought Masihiyah, they brought it to Yemen. It was the Abyssinians. And that's how we had now Ahlul Kitabain. Jews and Christians present there in Yemen. Now, now, so here, and we'll finish with this. Now, uh, here, as Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Ubaz, he comments uh, regarding this hadith that we've covered. And he says concerning the statement of the Messenger of Allah, that the first thing that you call them to be, the testimony of La ilaha illallah, meaning don't turn to their doubts and to the knowledge that they have, the Jews and Christians, rather. Convey to them Tawheed. And this is, again, for anyone. And our brothers, there are from us, brothers who partake in da'wah. They go to the da'wah stall and so on, in the town center and elsewhere. Here we have guiding principles. Here, Sheikh Ibn Baz is saying that don't turn and don't pay attention to their doubts. They come with this and they'll say, what about this? What about that? The Jews and Christians, because there are common grounds, and it's very easy to get sucked into 
يعني debating with them and discussing matters which divert away from the tawheed of Allah. Naam. And as we're going to see, an important matter that the Imam he brings is that there are those who are aware of La ilaha illallah but they don't understand it or they do understand it but they turn away from it. Jews and Christians are from them. Because La ilaha illallah is something that all of the prophets call to. All of the prophets call to La ilaha illallah. All of them. Call them. And they have it as the first commandment to worship Allah alone. So either they haven't understood it or they've understood it but don't act upon it. That's one of the important matters we're going to learn. Naam. And so it is imperative for the da'i, for the one who is calling. In particular when it comes to the Jews and Christians, don't turn to these doubts and they may uh, want to debate and discuss matters which, okay, we've got grounds to discuss because you believe in it, we believe in it. So for example, uh, was Satan, was he an angel or was he from the jinn? You know, because you have, you, we believe in him also, but we believe he's a fallen angel, meaning the Christian will say. And so these kinds of discussions. Or was it Adam that ate from the tree? Or was it both of them? Or was it Hawa alone, the, you, you, Eve and so on? These kinds of discussions. The Sheikh is saying don't turn to their doubts and to the knowledge that they already have. They have knowledge with them. Don't turn to these affairs. Rather, بَلِّغْ tawheed. Make the, your da'wah and make the conversation to be focused and revolved around tawheed and do not budge. And this requires for the da'i to almost like acquire, if he doesn't already have it, acquire that trait of being stubborn somewhat. No, not discussing that. Let's go back to tawheed. Hmm? The first commandment. Let's go back to your first commandment. Let's not talk about these affairs. We'll talk about these affairs later. But the first commandment. Because it's the first commandment for a reason. Hmm? Yeah, the, the da'i must have this trait. And he's not just, he doesn't go along with wherever the discussion goes and he's just yeah, and he's weak in that regard. He controls the, the conversation. Naam. And he's sharp yeah, and in, in that regard. So the sheikh, he says um, that um, yeah, the da'i is to call to tawheed and yeah, to, to uh, inform them that they are to single out Allah with worship um, and not those that they have taken as gods besides Allah and those that they direct worship to such as Uzair and uh, Isa alayhi salam kathalik their ahbar their rabbis and so on um, and their priests naam kathalik and because in a riwayah in a wording has come ibadatullah you call them to the worship of Allah and so he, that is a tafsir of the shahada of la ilaha illallah as we mentioned before. Naam. Kadalik, the, the imam, he mentioned that uh, where we find within this hadith and this was the point we, we alluded to before we have the shahada being mentioned we have salah and we have zakat. Although we've learned that when the messenger of Allah he sent Mu'adh and Abu Musa to Yemen it was in which year? in the 10th and he said remember he said to Mu'adh that perhaps you will not see me again 
And then he performed the Hajj a few months after he passed. So this was towards the end of his, li of his lifetime, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. No doubt, Som was, was obligated. Hajj, okay, maybe we can say it was in the ninth and the tenth year. So maybe, perhaps Mu'adh had left and Abu Musa had left and then Hajj was obligated because the Rasul hadn't performed Hajj that year. But the fasting was definitely, fasting on Ramadan was definitely, by that time, obligated. It was obligated in what year? Second year. Second year after the Hijrah. In the second year after the Hijrah. So, years had passed. Years had passed and they were fasting. However, no mention here of fasting. So this is, a, this is it leaves some confused. Even from the scholars, those who discuss this. And it's, a, it's a problem. Why wasn't zakat why mentioned? And, uh, sorry, why wasn't fasting mentioned? And again, in uh, other hadith, hajj. So the sheikh, he mentions here that, uh, that these three matters, the shahada, the salah, and zakah, have been mentioned and yani, there's a restriction here in what was mentioned and that restriction came back to just three these, uh, these three matters that is because they are ahamil umur because they are the most important of matters and whoever accepts these three matters he's going to accept everything else that comes after because these are the most difficult especially after the shahada of course the salah five times a day and zakat wealth fasting that's why we find look fasting how many from the muslims they all fast but they don't pray hmm? it comes ramadan everybody fasts because it's just once a month uh, once a year as for the prayer it's a daily test every day every night and the zakat because people do not like to depart from that wealth. So that is why the Sheikh says that, that if the people accept these matters, then everything else is easy for them. Hajj only once in a lifetime. Naam. And so um, that is why we have a mention of these three matters. In uh, more than yani, just this hadith, we have likewise in the Quran, Allah mentions, Allah will mention just salah and zakat. If they repent, repent from their shirk. And of course, believe in Allah, believe in this tawheed, come with the iman. And we've seen and we've, uh, again, we will see from the important matters that there is no benefit in calling to the salah or to the zakat if a person hasn't accepted tawheed. Those things do not benefit an individual, do not benefit a person. A person can be from the most worshipping of people. His prayer, on top of his prayer, prays all of the nawafil, maybe even the night prayers. He gives the zakat, fasts, performs the hajj. But if he commits shirk with Allah, none of that is accepted. Showing the great importance of, 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 of tawheed. And so, um, whenever we have a mention of, in the Quran, those who believe, or those who repent from their shirk and so on, like in this verse. فَإِنْ تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا صَلَاةُ وَأَتُوا الزَّكَاةُ 
So if they repent from the shirk, and believe in Allah, worship Him alone, and establish the prayer and give the zakah. And there's no mention of fasting. There's no mention of hajj. Again, just the mention of the fast of the uh, prayer and the zakat. And likewise in the hadith, I have been commanded to fight the people I've been commanded to fight the people until they testify. That they establish the prayer and they give the zakat. And if they so if they do that, so again, no mention of the fasting of the hajj. If they do that, then they are protected from me, their uh, well, their blood and their wealth. So again, um, no mention of the, uh, of the fasting and of hajj. Why? Not that they're not obligatory or even that they weren't obligated at that time. Yes, they were obligated. However, it is because these are the al-usul al-thalatha. As the Sheikh, he mentions that these are the three uh, foundations. Wahi al-um. And they are the um, the mother. Yani these three matters. Naam. Of course, they're, they're still pillars, the, the, um, uh, the fasting and the hajj. They're from the five pillars, so they're pillars. However, we can break these pillars down even further. And we can say some pillars are more emphasized than others. Just like there are obligations other than the five pillars. The five pillars are obligatory, yes, but there are also other obligations, not just these five. We don't say that there are only five obligations in Islam. No, there are other obligations. Obedience to the parents, truthfulness, honoring your contracts, being, being truthful, and so on. Now, these are obligations. Wajib, obligatory, fard, whatever you want to call it, or refer to it as. But these are obligatory, of likewise, but they are stressed even more than these. They are pillars. And then from these pillars, you can do that again. You can even, any, uh, you can specify some from them more so and say that even from these five the first is the pillar of all of them and without this one then the rest of them are of no use now the shahada and the, the belief in tawheed now and then we can see here as has come in this explanation that from the five that we can say these three these three are also foundations because tawheed is a given and then the salah and the zakat, if a person is, is, accepts them, then he's very likely to then go on to accept the other two because they're easier. Wallahu ta'ala alam wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Naam. So we'll continue in the next lesson. Bi'idhi ta'ala. Naam.